0: I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is a, not only an expert in the field of aging and uh, gerontology, but spent a whole lot of years working with the uh, AAA here in Bear County, the Area Agency on Aging, and is executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. We have come across, uh, a gentleman who's going to join us now on our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline, Rajiv Mehta, who uh, founded an organization called Atlas of Caregiving. And I had a chance to talk to him off the air a couple of weeks ago. And it's pretty interesting how we got into the subject of caregiving. Rajiv, thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, Ron. I'm happy to be here.
0: Uh, tell us a little bit for our Caregiver SOS on-air listeners. Uh, what Atlas of Caregiving is, and the kind of work you did in understanding uh, the mechanics and mechanisms of caregiving.
1: Uh, so we're a nonprofit based out here in Silicon Valley in California, and we've been both researching what it is that we people do to care for ourselves or families you know, at a very detailed level. What do we do day-to-day, even minute-to-minute? And from our knowledge, then we're developing what we think of as practical tools that anyone can use to better understand their own situations and hopefully use this knowledge to better manage their own affairs.
0: Well, give us some examples of, uh, you know, specifics, what you're talking about.
1: So we've... um, there's been a lot of there is in some sense a lot of data about caregiving and we hear these numbers about 43 million uh, American adults are caregivers but all of that data is gathered from surveys and you know since most of us can't remember what we had for breakfast Surveys have their limitations in terms of how well we can actually remember our lives. And so on the research side, we did some fundamentally new things of both using traditional anthropological techniques, but also using all this new gadgetry, uh, devices and sensors and so forth to capture detailed data about families as they went about their day. And through that process, had a much clearer sense of How much time is spent on caring for each other? Um, You know, who is involved in what way? What do different people do? And what is the impact of all of these caring activities on our lives? And so we've um, both done some groundbreaking research and then converted some of those research methods into kind of instructions that anyone could use to sort of see who is in their lives. Where does the time go? And people have found this kind of method for greater self-awareness really valuable. Most of us that are in intense caregiving situations are so busy doing the doing that we don't often have a good idea about who all is involved, how we are benefiting from other people's presence, or even, you know, where does the time go? And so people are often shocked to discover how much of their time they're actually spending on care And interestingly, getting this richer perspective on their lives gives them actually a lot of affirmation about how much effort they're putting into it and how much they are realizing through all of this effort.
2: Well, talk a little bit, you know, you said the research and the caregivers are surprised how much time they're spending. What has been a surprise for you um, as you've conducted this research?
1: Um, Well, some of it was discovering that um, we are so unaware of the details of of our lives. And at the same time, this wasn't surprising in retrospect. So if you think of a business, businesses don't simply ask their people how much money they spent and where it went. They keep detailed records and accounting and so forth. And we discovered that there's no equivalent of that at home. And so as an example, we've had people uh, keep logs of their day, and we've experimented with different types of logs. Almost always people discover that they are spending so much more time on care than they thought. And this process also helps them reflect how, for example, interruptions take up an enormous amount of time. And so in the course of a day, you might argue that I only spent you know, two and a half hours doing care activities. But those were so fragmented across the day that effectively they used up eight hours of the day.
2: Well, I think and you so, Yeah, I think you've cleared up something for me just in listening to you. I, I've always been suspect, particularly of the people who are holding a job and caregiving, that, you know, this I spend 10 hours a week caregiving, you know, just didn't seem realistic. And, and I suspect that that's one of the prime groups that's really not tabulating all the phone calls and the thinking time and the, you know, the planning time uh, as they're going through their day.
1: And just sort of the sitting around time, which is non-trivial. We had one woman in our study, a woman in her late 50s, caring for a son who's like 25 with various sort of behavioral issues and so forth. And over the course of the day, if you just added the slivers of where she was actively helping her son or making him a special meal or doing, you know, the fifth load of laundry for him, uh, it only again, it only added up like to two hours or an hour and a half or something. But the thing is, with his situation, a disaster can happen at any moment. 23 hours a day are wonderful, but then there's the other hour. And so all day long, she's basically walking on eggshells, waiting for disaster to happen. She can't leave the house. She can't hold down a job. She can't even do any intense hobbies. So an outsider might see her, oh, you spend all day on the couch uh, you know, flipping through magazines, and it's like, no, that was exhausting. I'm waiting for the disaster to happen, so I'm here to help. If you just and so
0: well, go ahead. I'm I just going really to
1: 24 hours of care. It wasn't an hour and a half.
0: I was just going to let folks know who may have just joined us they're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernial, and we are talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with our guest Rajiv Meta. He's with Atlas of Caregiving, and you like. Carol Zerniel, our co-host share this you were a 2018 influencer on aging by PBS affiliate Next Avenue and Carol also is one of the uh, influencers on aging
2: 2017 one year before to one year i must be older <laughs> So, there you go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, so um you you know these the families the caregivers are discovering that they're spending more time, they're looking at the relationships. So what, you know, what is what's the next step after they make this realization?
1: And that varies very- tremendously from family to family uh, because our our situations are so different. Um, So for a moment let me talk about one of the tools that people have used themselves and it's a uh, a drawing, a hand-drawn representation of a person's care ecosystem. So, in this family, who is caring for whom? And we call it an Atlas Care Map. And we, over the last few years, we've taught hundreds and hundreds of people how to draw their care maps, In many of them through these workshops we hold. And though this seemingly simple drawing has turned out to have a powerful impact on sort of the individuals, the families, and the communities, as they discover a couple of really key things. One is this language we use about of a caregiver, that some people are caregivers and some people are not. Turns out to be really nonsensical, that caring is human, it is fundamental, and everyone is actively caring for someone, is actively being cared for by others, and is more likely than not doing self-care as well. So we recognize that caring is human. This is us human beings, this is fundamental to us um, and not kind of a role. It also that people through the process of doing the drawing which causes a lot of self-reflection and the process of doing it in these in-person workshops with other people turn out to sort of learn a lot from describing their situation to others and hearing others, many people are just uh, sort of delighted is kind of the right word to use to discover that they are not uniquely incompetent, that all of us are struggling with this, that it's not like somehow you missed that you know session in school, that all of us are struggling with this, that this is hard work. It's also often leading people to, of course, discover... You know, what could be done better that, oh, there are these things that I'm not getting help on that I could get. But more often than not, they're discovering that there are so many more resources that they have sort of not appreciated and not used to their fullest extent. So as a very real example of that, we we've grown up sort of privileging sort of medical assistance, And so even at the family level, the person who comes and helps you with your medication management or your wounds or whatever, you know, we see them as caregivers. And we tend to look down on or sort of give no credit to the friend who comes over for a cup of tea and laughs with us for a couple hours or, you know, the the very nerdy nephew who doesn't seem to have the great interpersonal skills, but is always there to fix our IT systems and to do Google searches for us. And so as people draw their care ecosystem, they think about this, they start reflecting on how much they are contributing to others and how much they are also receiving from others. And that sort of very positive outcome turns out to be, in many ways, the most powerful things that comes out of this. Well, and, and In addition to sort of the problem solving of what could we be doing better.
2: Right. And, and so caregivers do feel that they are alone. I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, we find caregivers feel that, A, they're the only one. And you talked about yeah. being delighted to discover there are others out there that are like me. But that reframing of the situation going from, I'm alone on the couch with my loved one and not seeing the nephew, not seeing the neighbor, not seeing all of those other people um, and helping to foster, you know, hopefully an attitude of gratitude uh, and and seeing positives where it just looked like zeros before.
1: Right. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. (coughs) If we have time, I could tell you a couple of quick stories of two seemingly similar situations that turned out to be very
0: different. Yeah, go ahead. We're going to uh, drop out in just a minute, but go ahead. There was a woman
1: named Betty who, in our workshop, uh, felt actually really overwhelmed as she drew her care map and felt more clarity on how starkly alone she was and how overwhelmed she was. But because of that, on her drive home, she realized that she had to give up this notion of being Super Betty that she wasn't being a bad mother, a bad wife, a bad daughter, by asking for help. That doing so was not wrong. It was no fault of hers. And it led her to sort of talk to her husband and her children about her situation. And it turns out they were happy to help. And it turned out that in a very real sense, she had prevented them from helping because she felt that doing so would have reflected badly on her. So she had more support that she could reach out to now that she was willing to reach out. Um, Another woman similarly left the workshop feeling overwhelmed that, uh, again, that it was all on her and what could she do. Uh, But over the next few days, in a sense, with her eyes open, she realized that her children were, in fact, hypersensitive to their grandmother's needs, that they would fetch her a book or a glass of water or a shawl even often without being asked. They were paying attention to her. And so this woman realized that she was not, in fact, alone in caring for her mother. And she commented that her workload didn't change at all. But knowing that she was part of a group made her feel so much better about the whole thing.
0: All right, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zurnian, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air Lifeline with Rajiv Mehta, who is with Atlas of Caregiving, and we will continue this conversation. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician, and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh. That's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. The all-new WellMed Radio. And remember, WellMed Radio, Saturday at 7 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sunday at 12 on Freedom 1160 KRDY. Thank you so much for being with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co host Carol Zorniel, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Rajiv Mehta. He is a graduate of Columbia University, where he has an MBA, an MS from Stanford, and a BSE from Princeton University. He sits on the board of Family Caregiver Alliance and is an advisor to Quantified Self. What is Quantified Self?
1: Oh, it's um, a very loose-knit community of people around the world that do self-tracking. So they use new gadgets or just plain old pencil and paper to pay attention to certain aspects of their lives with the idea that they might learn something and improve it. Um, In one sense, this is not a new idea. Um, Many philosophers for thousands of years have been talking about the value of self-observation but we have all these new technologies and gadgets that make it easier today Um, and so it's a community that i've been involved with for over 10 years since the very first meeting of us and um it's just expanded from there and through that we as a community have learned an enormous amount of how we as people as individuals can learn about ourselves
2: well, you know, you're you're talking about all the things that the caregivers are learning and, you know, how how this can change the caregiver and the community with this research and with this work. What are what is it that you hope will grow out of it? Is it policy, so, is it technology, what what are you thinking?
1: So, at one really fundamental level, this this whole project if you will came about because of an acknowledgement by a variety of caregiver experts that I brought together about five years ago of how little we knew, that we have certain people that have studied family caregiving deeply, but it was as if it was pearls of wisdom in an ocean of not knowing, that um, you know, if all we know about family caregiving is through these surveys, that's hardly telling us anything. So in this modern big data world, this was a data-free zone. Um, the other thing that very much came to the fore at that roundtable was that we give so little uh, appreciation to the reality that almost like 99.99% of care is delivered by us to ourselves and our families, that the presence of the professional care industry, whether that's health care or social services or whatever, is incredibly marginal. It's very important when you need it, but the vast majority of our lives, they're not there. And so most of the attention around supporting caregivers is about increasing services or better services. And that's important, but it'll never make much of a difference. So, you know, even with, say, the VA, the average VA patient gets one to two hours of professional care a year, which means the other 8,765 hours. They're on their own, caring for themselves or by their spouses or their parents. And so where we need to get to is really empowering us as people, as families, as neighbors to support each other much, much better. And so that's what we're working towards. Um, And as an example, as a concrete example, that I found that I've met with many of those services organizations because they come to us, they want to learn about this tool with the idea that, perhaps they will be able to treat their clients uh, more effectively. And they almost always, their eyes open, and they realize, oh, we as an organization are full of human beings, too, that have all of these issues. And so the first people that need help with uh, taking advantage of tools like the Care Map is us. And so that the dramatic change we're trying to make here is how do we help us, people, families, neighbors, take care of ourselves much better. How How do we we empower us with knowledge and tools to do so?
0: How do we do that?
1: This is the work ahead. This is the work ahead. This is what we're trying to do. So the tools that we've been developing that essentially help people see the invisible in their lives is a starting point. Uh, To make improvements to anything, whether it's a company's finances or to our social lives, we have to be able to see the invisible, we have to be able to be much more aware. And so a lot of what we're doing is helping people see the invisible, their connections, where the time goes, how their moods change, what impacts that. Um, And then we're trying to empower people to learn to improve these things themselves. Um, It's really odd. We as society have taught us to kind of not think when it comes to our own health and well-being. We're told to talk to the doctor first and sort of don't do it yourself, which is is nonsensical. When we are the only people there for 99.99% of the time, we have to get better at this. And so we as a society need to empower people through both kind of giving them social permission to do it and we have to empower them with the tools and methods for better understanding their lives.
2: So I hear you saying a little bit about, you know, it takes a village, this idea of community and supporting Absolutely. each other, which is one of the things that probably contributes to the disconnect, the loneliness, the isolation, the depression yeah. that we see so yeah. rampant, you know, and people are trying to recover through social media that it's just not hitting that button.
1: Yes. Yes. In fact, um, I should stress that, you know, like this, this care map tool is used by people, not narrowly defined caregivers. So even people who don't have some seriously ill relative that they're caring for have used the tool to understand their lives. And recently there was a, um, the head of a major sort of religious organization in one town who participated in one of our workshops. And he told us that his eyes were open to his own situation, that he's pouring all of this energy into his sort of uh, serving his uh, his members while neglecting his own family, neglecting his own friends. And this helped him see that. Um, similarly, we had another uh, gentleman who participated in who commented that, you know, he saw himself as sort of the typical American male. He was strong, stood up for himself, took care of himself, didn't rely on anybody else, and discovered that, in fact, as he started drawing his camera, there were so many people contributing to his well-being. You know, his, his son, uh, the, the team of kids that he coached, he realized he was getting so much support from them. It's not just he was coaching them. And so it's opening people's eyes to the huge presence of their community in their lives. And having people recognize how much they are gaining, even from the gifts of others, is so critical to us addressing these issues of social isolation and and fragmented communities.
0: How do people find out more about uh, your organization, Atlas of Caregiving?
1: Um, so the website is atlasofcaregiving, all one word, dot com. And um, in terms of the care maps, as, as they'll see there's a the menu item that just says care maps, it's right on the front page. Well,
2: and you've got some how-to guides for people that might want to take, the, take a hand at doing some of the care maps on your website.
1: Yes, that's right. There's, um, there's in fact, two uh, free sort of downloadable booklets that explain it in great depth. Um, there's just a two-page flyer that tells you the basics of how to do it, although we encourage people to read the longer version. It seems so simple, but to get the full depth of it, it's, it turns out to take some time. It's a good idea. And as much effort as we put into these how-to guides, I can't help but stress that... Doing it in community, doing it with others, is so much more powerful than simply doing it by yourself at a coffee table.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it would be to have a, a, either family or friends. And, you know, I could see the benefit of that. Well, um, just you know, my my kind of thought take it, take away from this is would be my hope with that would be that people who who can better understand themselves and what's really going on and see what they have around them could also better articulate what they need um, and that we as a community could then respond with appropriate supports, you know, still for their journey.
1: Absolutely, their ability to sort of advocate for themselves um, but also simply to tell their stories more clearly because they understand their story more clearly. It, it does make a world of difference.
0: And for folks who'd like to get more involved and interact with you all, just go to the website?
1: That's right, absolutely. And they can contact us through the website. And um, We talk to everybody we can.
0: Got about a minute and a half left, and it's not fair to ask this, but I'll ask anyhow. What haven't we asked you that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Well, one of the key ideas, I suppose, just to echo what I said earlier, is this larger idea of mapping ourselves, mapping our lives. And so the CareMap is one example of a tool to help us see the invisible. We are in the process of developing a lot more and working with organizations of all sorts, from towns and cities uh, to organizations and businesses, to fully leverage the resources, the skills, the knowledge of their people and their people as a group to better their lives. We have so much sort of untapped knowledge and skill um, because we've been relying on services and professionals. But if we take advantage of our own skills, we can be so much better.
2: Right. Absolutely taking advantage, not seeing the negatives. We're always measuring gaps instead of measuring what we have. That's a good point.
1: Yes, yes. Absolutely, Carol.
0: So when and if the day comes, will you be a better caregiver because of the work you're doing?
1: Yes. No, absolutely. I think right now we seem to only support caregivers when it's a time of crisis. And honestly, that's when it's really, really, really hard for us to learn new tricks. And an analogy I've used that people like is as if someone showed up and said, hey, you're in charge of a five-course meal for a gala event for 300 people next weekend. Let us teach you how to cook.
0: Oh, uh, we're going to leave like, you no, on that. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> you know, learning to cook started when it was scrambled eggs and toast. We're going to leave you and on you that thought. the skills.
0: <laughs> Got to stop you right there. Thank you so much. We really appreciated you joining us.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me, Ron and Carol. Take
0: care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Rajiv Mehta. I'm Ron Aaron with Carol Zernial. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air.